Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today I am so stoked. We have Nolan Raposa on with us. Nolan, how are you? Doing good. Stoked to be here and uh, talking with my good buddy, Kieran. Dude, I'm so stoked right now that you are on the team Salt Life right now. Like, this is insane. It's so sick. We have a professional surfer that hopefully is going to make it on the championship tour within the next year. That's my my aspirations and my drive in my head is that you're going to make it. Like, that's like how I look at you, Nolan. It's so sick. Your surfing is on par. And we have an amazing, brilliant surfer that I get to talk to right now. So... Um, before we get into it, Nolan, give me a little overview on yourself, where you're from, and uh, what you do. Yeah, um, I'm from Long Beach, California. There's not really much waves in that area, um, but my dad would take me surfing in the morning down Seal Beach and um, kind of just loved the sport ever since he ever took me and um, grew up surfing all around Orange County um, and pretty much just, just loved it. You know, I used to be a soccer player and um, I would do it competitively and my dad wanted me to stay in it. And then I ended up just telling him I'm over it, dad, I just want to go surfing and um, he supported it. And um, now I've been, you know, competing endlessly through competitions and uh, competing professionally now um, for over 10 years, I'd say. So it's been a pretty fun journey and lifestyle I've been living. So when you were a Grom, like, we always say Grom for the people listening in. A Grom is like the youngster in surfing. But when you were a Grom, did you know that you wanted to only surf or were you kind of like doing a bunch of different stuff? Because I grew up skateboarding and then randomly was like, dude, surfing is way better. You don't get destroyed every day. But like, what was what was your ambition to go to surfing instead of other stuff? Like, how did that happen? Uh, I was in a couple of different things. Like my brother was a golfer. He got a scholarship to um, San Marcos in San Diego uh, to golf. And I also played soccer. I played baseball. I was, I was just into all types of sports kind of. Um, but I was definitely serious about soccer. And um, I think when I was like 11 or 12 years old is when I started like really surfing in So Beach with um, Chaz and Sam Wickwire. Um so I think that really is what got me into it, just seeing their lifestyle and just being at the beach every single day. Um, but also my dad loved surfing. He was a professional skier. So he was, you know, into extreme sports as well. And I think he wasn't surprised that like that draw my, that drew my attention. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I still love to golf. So, like that's like another hobby I like to do. But um, I, I love watching sports and all types of different competitive things. I was going to say, you're super into golfing, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Me and my friends go like out like once a week. Is your whole family into golfing? Obviously, your brother is probably super good if he's getting scholarships and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, my whole family golfs. Like, my mom and sister don't like really do it as often as us, but my dad loves it. My brother loves it. Um, so we try to get out like on the course like, you know, every weekend or something. So good. I love it. So what have you been up to recently? You got You guys had some swell over there. Huh, for like a week the el nino has been hitting really good over here on the west coast um been i was surfing at the end of the year and got some really good waves at my local spot and seal um and then kind of been on like a little bit of a rest of the last couple of weeks just because i i kind of um hurt my knee a little bit but it's pretty minor i should be back in the water like you know in a week or so 
Um, but the waves have been really good over here and I'm just kind of mentally and physically trying to get ready for the season that's coming up for me. Hey, Nolan, when did you start competing? How old were you? I, I was about 12 years old. I think my first contest, I was 12. I competed in a WSA out at um, churches. Sick. And then you just kind of frothed out and got hooked. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I lost first heat. Um, and I still, you know, did some of the contests. I was doing both soccer and surfing at the same time for, for the first year. And my dad would just like hope that I'd lose so that because the, the, the soccer tournaments would be on the same weekend as like the surf contest, you know, so if I was if I lost first heat, I could make it to my my soccer games. And so after I'd lose, I'd just go straight to my soccer games and I was tired of losing. So I ended up just like putting my head down at surfing and um, started making some heats. And then I think when I was like 16 is when like I really realized that like I could do something in surfing when I made it on like the USA, the junior team and um, competed at the ISAs against all of the world's best surfers at my age. Um, and I finished third place, which was a shocker to me just because I didn't know where I, I fit in, you know, in the surf surfing world and the rankings of it all, you know. So once I did that, I was like, okay, I I have some sort of talent. I can I should strive a little like harder for this. Yeah, let's talk about competing for a second. So for the people that are listening in that might not, you know, know the Challenger Series, the WSL at all, um, let's go like start to where you are right now. So you were a Grom, you were competing in whatever, NSSA events and all these small events that really brought you to where you're at right now. How much goes into getting onto the Challenger Series and eventually the Championship Tour? And um, how did you get from where you were as a youngster to now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a long story. But um, like the amateur events is really where it all starts as a Grom. You know, you have to compete at that level. And, you know, that's where the sponsors are looking at kids to to, you know, invest their money and see like potential for these future stars. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was up there on the higher level um, with all the other Groms. And once you graduate from there, you're like 17, 18 years old, and you hop on to like the junior pros, the WSL league, you know, the World Surfing League. And so I did the juniors. Um, I ended up doing pretty well my last year in the juniors. I won the, the North America rankings with like a lot of competitive surfers like Griffin and Jake Marshall. Um, and, you know, that definitely fueled my fire a lot to keep, you know, getting these results that I wanted. But so once you, once you graduate out of the juniors, you're into the big boy league with all the men and like high level professionals, um, which is the qualifying series, which it's changed throughout the last couple of years. They, um, it used to just be one whole world ranking to qualify yourself onto the world tour. Now there's three tiers. You start off in the, the qualifying series, then to the challenger series, and then the main league, which is the world tour. And so all of us um, challenger qualifying series surfers are striving to get to the big league, you know. Um, so that's where I started at the QS. And it took a couple of years, you know, to figure it out because all these older men, you know, or veterans, they know how, how, how the, the game works, you know, they, they make heats and they get the job done. So as a Grom, it's definitely, it's a learning process. And um, so, you know, I eventually got my way through the QS and got my, got my ticket into the Challenger Series. And um, it's, yeah, it was tough. There's a couple of good results, you know, there's a lot of losses, but a lot of, um, when the win and you get the the good results, it's no better feeling. Um, and so then moving on to the Challenger Series, you have to – so now from the QS, you have to be in the top 10 of your 
region of North America, same with Brazil, same with Australia, Asia, Europe, you know, all these regions, you know, you have to be in the top 10 of, of America, of all these places, you know, so that's a feat, you know, you gotta, you gotta accomplish these big, um, you have to accomplish beating these really high level surfers, like, you know, Evan Geiselman and, um, Kolohe and Dino is on there. There's a lot of really good surfers, but so, yeah, um, getting through that was a awesome, you know, goal to achieve. And then the challengers is really the next big step. And so, um, getting on the challengers, you got start to realize like all these people got it together, you know, you can't make any mistakes in these things. And so that's another learning process. Um, but you know, once you get into them, like you've kind of just got to give it your all because everyone else is so at such a high level. Um, and so once I got onto the Challenger Series, I made a big move and started working with Matt Myers. And, you know, he was a big help for me and really got me my first big result, which was a third place at the U.S. Open competing against like a lot of the world tour surfers that I'm striving to compete against in, in the future. Um, so I was, you know, super stoked about that. Um, but you know, you can't just get one result. You got to get multiple results to make it onto the world tour. And that's something I'm still learning to this day, which I feel like I'm getting a lot better. I've been actually progressing each year. Um, so that's, you know, that's something I'm really looking forward to this year is challengers. And, you know, just, I want to, I don't want to just like compete in the challengers. Like I want to dominate in the challengers. And I look at, you know, I idolize a lot of these other Challenger Series surfers, like, you know, Leonardo Clervanti, he's, he dominates the Challenger Series. Kanoe Igarashi, he, he dominates, he's, you know, they make it look easy, it seems like, you know, and same with like my buddy Jake Marshall, he's, you know, another like huge name in these events that I have to compete against. And um, so I feel like I've gotten to that level. And, um, you know, this last season, I didn't get to compete in all of them. But um, my first event was in Bolito. When everyone else did the first two events, I was starting in the third event. And um, I ended up finishing fifth out of the, the 90 surfers that were in it. Um, I was going there with no expectations and kind of just like thinking, you know, if something happens here, I'm, I'm going to do this event and I'm going to do the US Open. If it doesn't work out you know I still have the rest of the year to do what I want to do and um, I ended up you know getting fifth at the Bolita Pro and then coming home to the U.S. Open where all my family and friends and I feel like the pressure is even higher for me there you know because I want to do good in my backyard um, so it's cool I love competing at the U.S. Open as well because you know everyone from my Seal Beach board rider shows up and all my friends and you know we had a premiere this last year with me and my best friend Tyler and it was just a great turnout um but I ended up getting another third place I was so close to making the final again it was just like that's that's like the, the one I'm trying to break through is getting into the final I've been so close you know these couple events um but so yeah with the third place it put me skyrocketed me into the I think it was the top 10 I was like either 10th or 11th um with just two events and so I had Two more events to finish out the year. Um, pressure built, and it, it got you know tough. It, I mean, it just it was it, the pressure makes it so much harder to focus on the main goal, you know. And when I had no pressure for the first two events, like I was just going out there surfing freely. It felt like you know I didn't really care what the outcome. And so once you get to that, you know, that little borderline of making the tour and not, you know, you start realizing like what you have in your hands. So like 
you know, going into these next, this next season, I really just like, don't really care about what the outcome is. I just want to go and enjoy myself. And, you know, as long as I know my, as long as I know myself that I am at the level to, you know, make it onto that world tour, like a lot of my peers and friends have been doing, then like everything should just fall into place, I feel like. And I just got to stay on top of my game and, you know, stay focused with Matt um, just to accomplish each and every heat that I surf in. I feel like a lot of people don't realize, I, I never did this QS or anything. I just surf whatever, have fun. But like a lot of people don't realize how much goes into competing, um, traveling mentally, your confidence and everything, um, working out, staying on a healthy diet. And then when you're traveling, sometimes you get sick going into a heat, you're like, you know, kind of broken down and stuff. Give me like the behind the scenes of competitive surfing. And, and honestly, how gnarly is it mentally and physically when you're traveling around the world and doing what you're doing? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a definitely ch- more challenging than people might assume. You know, a lot of people think it's the, the life, you know, you get to go to these exotic places and, you know, see amazing waves and surf amazing waves and stuff, which we do. It's amazing. But you know, the cost behind it, it's, you know, we're not, you know, saving a lot of money here. We're spending a lot of money. Um, but then also the flights. Yeah. Like I can't stand like, you know, sitting in a 10 hour flight going places. Um, and also it makes you really appreciate like being at home and stuff, you know, cause I never get to be at home. It feels like I'm always like on the road and traveling, but then, you know, when we are traveling, we, we use, we, you want to be cost effective. So you're staying with your friends, with your coaches or whoever, you know, with a group of people so that you guys all pay for the same place, you know, cheapen the cost. Um, and so, you know, we might be sharing rooms, you might be sleeping on a couch or a floor, you know, um, and so sometimes it gets, you know, a little frustrating just because you don't have your bed to sleep in and, you know, have like all this space, you know, you got to live with people that you don't normally live with. Um, and which is, it's always fun, you know, because you're living with your friends, you know, I don't, I don't complain about having a good time with my friends, you know. But you're also living with people that you're competing against. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll be competing against like my, I'll have like Tyler or John in my heat, you know, and it's, it's this weird vibe in the house where you guys are (laughs) friends, but then you're also like, kind of like playing mind games with each other a little bit. Like, and it's, it's so hard to like get past that just until the heat's over, you know, because you know that you have to compete against this guy the next day and you know, everyone wants the same goal here. So yeah, it's definitely tricky, but I'm trying to like find this mindset to where like, you know, just being grateful and like satisfied with what I'm doing, you know, which it is a very fun and like exotic job, you know, that I have. But um, after doing it for so many years, it starts to get repetitive and you start to, you know, get, I guess, slightly negative in a way, which you shouldn't be living this lifestyle. Um, so that's like really one thing that I'm trying to learn from and, um, just, just enjoying the whole process of it. Cause I know once, once I get older, it's going to be, I'm going to be like, wow, those were the times, you know? So it's definitely, it's definitely a fun, cool job that I love to do. You started competing so young, like how has your confidence built throughout the years and what do you usually do to make yourself confident before you go get thrown into these heats? Yeah, I mean, during, once I hopped from the junior pros into the qualifying series, 
um, you know, the confidence wasn't fully there yet because I haven't, you know, beating surfers like that you like admire and idolize and stuff is a huge confidence booster for any surfer. And so I feel like that was my learning process of like losing against a lot of these guys, but then beating a lot of these guys, you know. And so that process of like me realizing my ability and knowing that I can beat surfers is a huge factor of like me building my confidence. Um, but then also once I started coaching with Matt, like and realizing like there is like a there's a process between like surfing these heats and stuff like that and like game planning, you know. When I write up, it was funny, my first time I ever worked with Myers, he would have me writing out my game plans the night before my heats. And so, like, he would be like, all right, like, how do you want to start your heat? Like, what score are you looking for? And so this is for the U.S. Open, my first Challenger Series event that I've done. Um, and I would write down, I think I think I would say, like, I want, I want to start with a 6.0, like a six-point ride, and then I want to back it up with a five. And every single time that I'd write this down in my journal and then go surf my heat the next day, the, the exact scores would come in. I got, I start off with a six and then I'd back it up with a five. And I was literally like, Matt, like, I didn't know. All I had to do is just write this in my journal. Like, that's all. Like, I, I should just write, I need a 10 and I'm going to get a 10 on my first wave. And so it was just funny, like how much like the difference that made for me was just like writing down a game plan before my heats and just not going into your heats, just like hoping that something's going to happen for you. Like, just like, knowing that this is what you got to do or like this is how you do it to get like what you want you know so that was like a huge game changer for me of my confidence and stuff just knowing that I have like a strategy going into these heats not instead of just going in there like okay like I'm going to be patient and hope the wave comes to me like you know just just knowing like I had a structure going into these heats I feel like especially like when you, when you do have a good result, your confidence is so high, right? Like you're so on top of it and you're like, oh my gosh, I just did so good. But when you have those challenging moments where you get out of a contest super early and you're brought down to a lower level mentally, like how do you cope with that? Like you obviously have challenges in serving, right? Like when you, when you do these contests, you're not always going to win every single time. So what do you do mentally for that, those kind of situations, like the highs and the lows? And um, how do you get brought back up from that? Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many, you, you go through a lot of losses. Like even say you make it to like a quarterfinal or a round of 16, which is you got to make a bunch of heats to get there. It's still pretty much the same thing as losing at the first round, you know, unless you're making it to, yeah, a quarters, semis or a final, like those are good results. But if you're, still making heats it's the same thing as like losing first round it feels like you know so like just kind of just forgetting about it really is what it is like you go into it you lost first you kind of just got to accept it and move on and just like know like okay most of the time it was because the wave didn't come or like you did make a mistake and those are things that's like you want to work on you know like which this last season was something like I realized a little bit with with Matt and stuff was that like in my man-on-man heats, like, I was giving up a lot of space to my competitor. And, like, those are things, like, I can't be doing in my heats, you know. Like, if I'm going to be giving up space, I better be, like, comboing the guy that I'm competing against so I don't even have to worry about him. But, like, strategically, you have to make sure that your competitor isn't on the wave that you want to score on, you know. So, like, it's just, like, knowing where your mistakes are and – working on those mistakes for the future heats is really like how 
I like to brush off my, my losses, you know, um, I don't know, getting in the gym too is a good way to like, um, get rid of some, some anger, I guess, you know, and do you have a trainer? uh, Yeah. So I work out, uh, um, surf ready fitness with Paul Norris. Um, he, he gets me, he gets me in shape. You know, I go there at least two to three times a week and he definitely kicks my butt a lot, but, um, it's, it's good for me. And, um, it's always, you know, a good time working out with him because he's, he's a cool dude and he knows what he's talking about. So it's a good guy to listen to. How much does that help you to like go train and be physically on top of your game? Um, going into, I guess it really helps you mentally. Like when I go work out, I'm like, dude, I feel so much better for the day, but performance wise, like you have to stay on top of that, especially for people like you that are eventually going to make it on CT or that are on CT. Like you guys have probably the gnarliest training regimen and you're on top of it. Like what does that do for you and your surfing? Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's, it's a lot more challenging than some think because when we are on the road and stuff, like we might only be home for two weeks, you know, and two weeks of training sometimes, like, I feel like might not be enough time to prepare for the next event. But, um, like when I am not training and I'm just at home, like I can notice a difference in my surfing, like my make ratio on maneuvers, sometimes like they go down. Sometimes I just feel sluggish. Um, and when I get in the gym, you know, I feel definitely a lot better with myself and not just like one day, like one day is not really going to make a difference. Like after like two, three weeks of like consistent training, like you see such a huge difference, like visually wise, like body shape, like it, it looks way better. And then also like when you're surfing, like you just feel more solid on your board and more stable, like surfing wise, you know, and sometimes you do get a little little tight because like um you're sore and stiff your muscles you know um need to be more flexible and stuff for surfing um but that's you know i like to i like to add in some yoga in the side my girlfriend's a yoga instructor so she helps me with my stretching so you know there's a lot of factors that go into being like physically fit for surfing you can't just be like this bodybuilder that you know goes out and surfing which it, it's yeah it's a challenge sometimes what about, um, there's a good question on here. Let's talk about like surfing bigger waves and, and, you know, having those heats where maybe you're at sunset and it's 20 foot or whatever. Like if you're so, especially for us that grew up on the West coast of California, we're not surfing like pipe, you know, maxing out every day. So how does that go into, um, like your surfing on the challenger series and stuff? Like, do you feel like you do better in bigger surf or do you feel like sometimes you like have to slow down your surfing, but yeah, talk to me about, um, like bigger surf and how that ties into your, your career and your path. Yeah. I mean, surfing bigger waves, it's always fun. It's definitely, it's, it's a lot uh, scarier than surfing our normal, you know, Huntington beach waves. But, um, it seems like a lot of times I have competed in bigger surf. Like I've kind of strived in it and it's come to a surprise to me, you know, cause I'm not like, the most uh, familiar with like surfing pipeline every single day. Um, but I really enjoy it. And like, I want to surf these big waves, you know, like, it's not like I'm like, I'm like, I'm good or I'm scared to do it. You know, like I definitely want to, you know, um, surfing waves like Mavericks, like my best friend, John does like, I definitely am scared to do that. I've been out there a couple of times with him and like, it's, it's a whole nother level. You look at these waves and you're like, you're, you'll, actually die if if i try and catch this wave 
Um, but the experiences I've had surfing in, you know, more solid surf for contests like Sunset, um, they, I've had good results out there. You know, I think I made like four heats one year at the HIC Pro and Triple Crown or something. My dad was a caddy um, and you know, I'd go out there and I'd, I'd just make squeak it through heats, you know, keep making it through. And the last heat, I remember he was my caddy, he was like maxing out Sunset. And I was like, dude, there's no way that you can be my caddy. Like, you might die out there, Dad. Like, I've never seen you surf waves like this. Um, but no one else was was there to be my caddy. So I was like, you got I, – I need you, Dad. So, like, just sit in the channel. <laughs> sit with everyone else. You'll be fine. Tell me my scores when I'm paddling back out. And, um, you know, he did a great job. He was able to hear the judges. He got my scores to me and um, was, you know, making it through heats. Um but then, you know, other experiences I've had was in El Gringo where the waves were huge. Um, the way, El Gringo is probably my favorite wave in the world in Chile. And this was a QS 3000, 2019. Um, and I think the first couple of days were kind of small and it, there's, it's such a tight peak. And so everyone's free surfing out there to try and, to try and get practice for the contest. And I was like, this is, it's right on dry reef, like if I go out there, someone's going to burn me. I'm going to get injured before my heat. So I never actually free surfed it. I only went out there and surfed my heats. And every single heat I had, I just get in the barrel, get out and making my heats. I think my make ratio must have been like 90% of the barrels. That How I was good in. is like, that? I've had some sort of, co- I had some sort of connection. It was amazing. Like I, I, I love the wave. And so um, made it through. I think the next day got a little bigger. Um, so like man, at 32, round of 16, making my barrels, coming out. And then finals day, it was like pumping, like ten foot faces, eight to ten foot faces, and like just like scary kind of. I got my free surf in, broke my board before the contest, um, and then got out there and was just like, all right, the game plan, same things, in and out of barrels, and made it out of my barrels on the first, I think, quarterfinals, and then same thing, made it out of my barrels on the semis. And then the final came up and it, the wind started coming on shore, but there were still some really good barrels. And um, I mean, it was definitely, I, I, I don't even, I can't remember ever being scared in the situation, but it was, you know, proper waves. Like, and the, the reef there, the waves were like closing out on dry reefs. So trying to pile out in the keyhole, like you, it's like you could easily go into the rocks and stuff. Um, but you know, it never really crossed my mind that I was in danger and, um, I ended up coming away at the wind there, which was probably one of the best memories I've ever had. Um, so I hope that they bring a challenger series there one <laughs> year, maybe even a CT next year, they could bring one there. That'd be awesome. That'd be so sick. Yeah, dude, that's, that's insane. That sounds so good. Those are the best sessions ever where you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to paddle out and see what happens. But you connect so well. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is the best day ever. Yeah, and I know you're not scared. You're not shy to to go surf some big waves. I've seen some of your stuff that you've surfed in Oregon, doing some step offs and stuff. Like, looks like you know you don't have too much fear in you. Nah, I try not to. It's whatever. You just got to go out and have fun. What um What are your next steps, Nolan? Like, what's what's your year looking like this year? And do you have any travels coming up? Yeah. So um, there's a couple regional events that are coming up. Um. Right now, since I finished 18th last year in the Challengers, I don't have to compete in any of the regionals. I have my uh, spot solidified into the Challenger Series, which is amazing. I have a whole off-season finally, which not a lot of surfers get to have um, these days. Um, but so the next couple of regional events that are coming up, there's one in the Dominican Republic, uh, I think maybe next month or the month after. Um, and then there's one in Florida, which I definitely want to do. Um, 
I'm interested in doing it. It's just a 1,000, but it would be good practice. Um, but then the main regional event that I want to go do is Barbados because Supol is an insane wave. It's a QS 5,000, so there's a lot of money to be had in the event. Um, but, you know, these have no, um, you know, no meaning for my qualification or ranking. Um, the big event that I am mainly looking forward to is the Challenger Series, which starts in April at Snapper Rocks. Um, so that's pretty much where my whole mind is preparing for is getting ready for Snapper Rocks, which Barbados will be some good practice before backside surfing. Um, and then, you know, after that goes on to the Sydney Pro and the rest of the Challenger Series, the U.S. Open and Bolito and whatnot. So um, that's, you know, Right now, I still have a little bit of um, a break, you know, and get to relax. But um, I think coming up in this next month or the month after, like, you know, head's going to be putting down and my eyes will be, you know, looking at the goal. I love it. Well, we're stoked to see what what comes, dude. I feel like you're going to have a good year. I mean, you've been progressing so much for the last couple of years, just watching you surf and like all the clips you're putting on Instagram and everything. You have such a talent, dude. And Salt Life is so over the moon to have you on board, dude. I'm stoked to be on the team with you. Like, this is such a, an amazing experience for the whole team. Like, I feel like we're, we're, we're so set now. Like we have good people, dude, Samantha Sibley, <laughs> you, like it's just getting better and better. And now you get to move on to the next chapter of like, let's go fishing. Let's go dive. You're going to learn new stuff and like be a part of the family. It's so fun, dude. I know. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. I can't wait to like go and experience these, these cool adventures with like all the team riders and, all the employees and stuff that work behind the scenes. Um, I know that you're, you're in Texas now, but we're, we're going to meet up on a trip shortly here. Um, yeah, absolutely. but I am looking forward. I want to catch a fish. I told them in, in my bio, like my, my, my bucket list is to catch a tuna. So yes. I hope that they get me on some sort of charter this, this year. Dude, if I'm in Cal, actually I'll be in California for fishing season for sure this year. So we'll, uh, let's try to get a boat together, go catch some bluefin. That'd be insane or shoot them. You got to shoot one. I'd be psyched. Yeah, I'd be down to shoot one too. Dude, uh, <laughs> shout out your social media, your Instagram and stuff so people can follow your journey. Yeah, my, my Instagram handle is just Nolan Raposa. Um, and that's, that's you know pretty much it as of right now. Follow me on Instagram. I love it, dude. Nolan, thank you so much for hopping on, dude. We're so stoked to have you. And uh, you're going to crush it this year. So let's make you get on again after a couple of events and we'll talk about it. Appreciate it. Of course, I'm down anytime. Sick. Thanks everybody for listening in to today's podcast. We'll catch you next time. Later, Nolan. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.